Our speaker today is from Hazlitt, Texas. And uh, we're thankful for Pastor Eric Crawford and the Heritage Baptist Church. Sometimes people wonder, is there a place to serve the Lord? And uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area is an area of our country that's, that's growing very, very rapidly. And the Lord has put Pastor Crawford and the Heritage Baptist Church in a, in a very unique location to reach people that are coming to that area by the thousands. It's just amazing how quickly apartment buildings and homes are going up in that area. It's difficult to drive in that area because the roads just can't handle the numbers of people that are now living in that area. And uh, God has just uniquely placed the Heritage Baptist Church right there, kind of before it all started. Church is not an old church, but he, God got it there, put that lighthouse there, and now as those people come, there's such a tremendous ministry waiting for them and, uh, and, and ministering to their needs. And I've asked Brother Crawford if he feels led to just tell us a little bit about the area because there's, there's a, a town basically springing up right across the freeway from him that's gonna be very difficult for him to reach because of the freeway, but 50,000 people almost overnight. And there's no church there. there. There's no Bible preaching church there. And somebody needs to get concerned about these kinds of areas and uh, going there and reaching the, the, the multitudes of people that are moving into some of these locations. And we're seeing that many places in California. We're seeing it in the Northeast. We're seeing it in the Northwest. And we try to emphasize some of those areas from time to time but this is another area in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that's just really growing and lots and lots of people to reach for Christ. And so we're so delighted to have Brother Crawford here. He's uh, sent students here. Uh, he has uh, former students in his church serving the Lord. And we're just so honored that he would come and be with us. So let's welcome Pastor Crawford as he comes to preach for us this morning. Howdy, y'all. Yeah, howdy. It's good to see everybody. Please be seated. If you win your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Dallas-Fort Worth is a city or a metroplex now of seven, over 7 million people. It's, uh, it's amazing. I've, I've been there in that area now for 22 years. It's amazing to see the growth you know, over those 22 years. Lord uh, gave us the opportunity 18 years ago to plant a church in the Haslett community. I began looking for a place and talked to two or three preachers who were from the Metroplex and all three of them actually concluded, have you thought about Haslett? And uh, went up to that area, there was no place to meet and uh, the school wanted $300 an hour. And so we ended up meeting in another city just a little ways away and working our way towards that bought land. Almost, we bought land a year after we started and bought 17 and a half acres on the highway, on uh, State Highway 156. And uh, it's just amazing what God did there and how God has blessed that. We've been an opportunity to build buildings and see God again grow. It's amazing, though, just in our area, if you went a little north of us, if you went up 35, three or four miles north of us, come to the town of North Lake. Uh, North Lake's a city right now of around three or 4,000, maybe a little less than that, actually. And, but there are, there are three subdivisions going in there. One of them is 3,000 homes. And, uh, I mean, that started now. It's called the Pecan Plantation. And uh, it's, it's a little too far north of us to really reach that community. And so 
There are places all over Keller, which is more of an established community, but Keller just, just across the highway from us, 50 or 60,000 people, no independent Baptist church to speak of and no, certainly no conservative one. If you, took, you think about Texas having, you know, people say, well, there's, there's a you know, church on every corner, but we've planted our church. If you take our church building and draw a circle seven miles around it, there is no independent Baptist church in that circle except us. And that's kind of unheard of in Texas. You think, well, that couldn't happen in Texas. And in that circle, there are only two other um, gospel-preaching churches. They're Southern Baptist churches. They're very contemporary, uh, but uh, they are preaching the gospel. But that's it. It's just there's hundreds of thousands of people there to reach. And I can't encourage you enough. God uh, impresses upon your heart to plant a church. Consider the Metroplex. I I would challenge some of you who already feel like God has called you to church plant to look up the city of Dallas and try to find a good independent Baptist church in the city of Dallas. Two million people. You'd be hard pressed to find one. Not even one. And so just keep that in mind as you think about uh, the challenge and, and opportunity of church planting. I'm not a good joke teller, but I would tell you there are some Texas vernacular that, uh, that I enjoy talking about. You know, fixing to. We have our area, as Brother uh, Getch has said, is a lot of people coming to our area. Our church is made up of more out-of-Texas out of people than Texas people. I actually had them all raise their hand one Sunday here, just in, in, found out I was outnumbered. Anyway, but I constantly have people telling me, Pastor, can you make up a dictionary as to Texas terms? And one of, one of them is uh, the word flyer. Uh, the word flyer is this, used the same way in many different ways. Flyer that you cook with, flyer that you grow, you know, like a flyer out in your flyer bed. <laughs> flyer that you pass out. Yeah, y'all been passing out flyers? Absolutely. We could talk about other words that have similar things like tire, tire on your car, cell tire. (laughs) It's all the same word. I'd I'd talk to you about my papa's vernacular, but that would even be worse. What a great time in history to be serving the Lord. I mean that. I think too many times we dwell on the, you know, the bad and, and not the good. The light is always brighter in the darkest of hours. And certainly the contrast is greater today than it was 15, 20 years ago even. And we ought to be that light. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 with me, verse 1 says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, 
and not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have the same spirit of faith, according as is written, I believed, and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with him, with you. Verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Verse 16, what a great verse. For which cause we faint not, but though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your love, and we thank you for this uh, wonderful passage of Scripture. And I pray today that it would be very clear, very evident of the ministry that you've given to us. And Lord, may we take that ministry and share your word, share your good news, and uh, that we'd be faithful to it. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We need uh, constantly and daily to be reminded of the ministry that God has given us. By the way, if you're saved, then you're to be a minister. A minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life for a ransom for many. Those of you who uh, understand and know, most of you do, that verse 1 says, therefore, and I have it underlined in my Bible, and I have it in bold, and uh, whenever you see the word therefore, you just stop and see what it's there for. Step back and get the context. I've already read one whole chapter. I'm not going to read the whole chapter before it, but we are going to give you a brief uh, summary of it. Context here is so important. Paul is speaking in the previous chapter about the Old and New Testament. The Old versus the New Testament. The contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. He speaks about the stone of the Old Testament and the heart of the New Testament. He speaks about the letter that killeth and of the Old Testament and the spirit of life of the New Testament. Think about the New Testament covenant, he says, is far more glorious than the Old Testament covenant. Far more glorious. In fact, in verse 10 it says, For even that which was made glorious had no glory in, in this respect by reason of the glory that what? Excelleth. In other words, Paul's saying, yes, the Old Testament had glory, but the New Testament is so far more glorious than the Old Testament that it discounts the, the Old Testament's glory. It just, just, just lays it aside. The New Testament is far more glorious than the Old Testament. Verses 13 through 16, the previous chapter, speaks of Moses' face fading. Remember when Moses would go into the tabernacle and he would speak to God face to face, and when he came out, his face was glowing. His face was shining. And he had to put a veil over his face. That glow or that shine faded as he uh, you know, went about the business. And when he went back into, uh, in the, to minister with him and God, his face would shine once more and he would come out. It would fade again. The Old Testament, the illustration is that the Old Testament is fading, was fading. It's, it's, being, you know, it's, it's uh, again, the New Testament covenant is uh, about to be put into place. The Old Testament was an outward con uh, 
conforming of mankind, the New Testament, inward. Inward. I, and just because of time, I, I hope that you, I know who, that audience I'm speaking to, I hope you have read and know uh, chapter 3. It's a great chapter. And the last two verses are amazing. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. That word glory of the Lord speaks about who and what God is. Are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. All, not just Moses, but we all with open face. Beholding as in a glass, beholding as in a mirror, the person of Jesus Christ. And as we behold that person, the, the Son of God, as we behold that person the Son of God. We are transformed into that same image from glory to glory. The mirror is the Word of God. As we look into God's Word and see Jesus Christ here, we are and contemplate Him. It's not just about reading the Word of God, but contemplating as we see Jesus on every page. Right? You've heard the saying, you can tear the Bible on any page, it'll bleed the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible is Christocentric. The central theme is Jesus. Amen? Right? Right. And so every day we should be in our Bibles. We should be looking for Jesus. As we read our daily, our, our daily devotional, as we read our, our Bible daily, we should be looking for Jesus Christ. And as we look for Him there, we are transformed into that image. As we contemplate Him and ponder Him, as we turn our eyes upon Jesus, we are transformed into that same image. And then lastly, we're to be a reflection of that image. We're to reflect uh, him to others around us. Um, they should see Jesus in us. Remembering that Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is the main thing. I, I'm perplexed, as we're going to go to in just a moment, that the subject of Jesus is so in many churches have been set aside for many other subjects when the central theme of the Bible is Jesus Christ. I don't remember if it was J. Siddle Baxter who, who made this quote that said, when the child of God looks into the Word of God and sees the Son of God, he is changed by the Spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. When the child of God looks into the Word of God and sees Jesus Christ, he is changed by the Spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. When, when, when Paul says in Philippians, I press toward the mark, is he talking about, you know, running a 100-yard dash? No, he's talking about being like Jesus. My goal is to be conformed to the image of, of, of Jesus Christ. That's what God is doing in my life. And my, the, the finish line is Jesus Christ. So if I'm going to be like Jesus, I must get to know him. And the more I know him, the Holy Spirit will change me into that same image. The ultimate goal. In fact, Paul said, I count all things but loss that I may win Christ. I count all things but, but loss that I might know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. Seeing Jesus Christ, seeing the Lord will transform your life. It changed Paul's life on the road to Damascus. It changed Isaiah's life. It changed Job's life. And it'll change yours. We need to Remember that we are to read our Bibles to see Jesus. 
Therefore, because the Old Testament versus the New Testament, the New Testament far more glorious than the Old Testament, because of what Christ did, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, the New Testament ministry, the New Testament covenant, as we have received mercy, we faint not. So, number one is this ministry. What is the ministry? Well, it's the New Testament ministry, the New Testament gospel. It's superior, better than the Old Testament, far more glorious. Example, sacrifices. In the Old Testament, the sacrifices were merely pictures or shadows of that which was come. By the way, sacrifices were required. New Testament, the final sacrifice has been made. And it's not a shadow, it's the real deal. Jesus Christ. Again, superior, far more glorious in its priesthood. In the Old Testament, you had the Arianic priesthood, men who were sinners, who had to make a sacrifice for themselves first and then, a, and then sacrifice for the mankind, and, but not Jesus. In the New Testament, no sacrifice for himself needed because he was perfect. He was a better priest of the order of Melchizedek. The commandments. The Old Testament, there's 613 commandments. New Testament, there's one. That makes it simple, doesn't it? You say there's one, Matthew 7, 12 says. Jesus said, whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even also to them, for this is what? All the law and the prophets. It's amazing, isn't it? Basically, do unto others as you have them do unto you. We live by that principle, by that law, by that rule. We think about the temple. Again, in the Old Testament, you were required to go to the temple to worship. In the New Testament, we are the temple. The church is the temple. We are the temple, and the church is a spiritual house building up a temple. I, I love the verses. We are living stones building up a spiritual house, fitly framed together. And there's a whole other sermon there. New Testament is far more glorious than the Old Testament. And that reminds us of His mercy. His freely given favor to us, grace, mercy, things that he's taken out of our life that we deserve. And in light of that, don't quit. How would you like to live in the Old Testament and have to go through all those rituals? and all, all, it, it, No, the New Testament is far more glorious. Praise the Lord. We've been given mercy and grace. In other words, we have it good. Number two, it's going to be a long sermon if you guys don't amen me every once in a while. Motives, it's motives. So that's the, number one, it's the, the ministry. Number two, it's motives. He says there, but, but renouncing the hidden things of dishonesty. In other words, as he ministered to them, he was honestly in, honest in everything that he did. That he disavowed, if you would, uh, dishonesty. That he was ha not tricking them or handling the word of God, again, deceitfully. He wasn't a manipulator. Well, we lived in a day and age which there are ministers on TV or super manipulators. Paul's day, there were the religious leaders who were not honest. And Paul says, we've been honest with you in ministering to you. Can I just remind you students that we need to be honest as we minister to others? We need to be people of character, not preaching for financial gain. It's not about me. You say, well, I, I, you know, I don't plan on being a TV evangelist. We had Kenneth Copeland right down the street from us. Yeah, but sometimes we can, we can handle people in a wrong fashion. We can use people as pawns instead of people. 
we need to be very careful. So we need to be careful about our motives. It's ministry, the motives, and then we see it's enemy. There in verses 3 and 4, but, the, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid of them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded their mind, the minds of them. Can I remind you this morning that there is an enemy, the deceiver, he's real. And the gospel's been veiled to many. In chapter 3, it speaks about the, the veil being upon Jewish eyes. Many have rejected the gospel, have rejected the light. They're lost in darkness, lovers of darkness. Satan is real. He is the God of this world, Ephesians says. He is the adversary, Peter says, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom may devour. May be reminded that the, that the devil is absolutely real. Acts 26, when Paul is speaking before King Agrippa, he says there uh, in verses, I'm going to read verses, uh, just verse 18, but he's given his testimony. He says, here's what I, my, my ministry is to do, is to open their eyes, speaking what Jesus told Paul to do. He said, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. Jesus said to Paul on the road to Damascus, your, your job, will be to turn people from, light, from darkness to light and from Satan unto God. There is a real devil. He is just as real today. He seeks to destroy you. And our job is to turn people from darkness to light. I just tell you, Jesus is the light. In him is no darkness at all. And then he said, not only am I, he said, I am the light, but ye are the light. And we're to send the light. People do not like light. People do not like the light. This world does not like the light. They're in darkness. We must continue to spread that light. There's a call come ringing o'er the restless wave. Send the light, send the light. There are souls to rescue, there are souls to save. Send the light, send the light, send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. I'm just telling you, if you, if you as a minister, every, every person should be a minister, if you spread the light, the devil will be on you. He'll be on you. Yeah. You know, sometimes I, I look around, if nothing is, uh, if there's no problems at our church or in my personal life or anything, I look around and say, man, I must not be doing nothing. The devil's not after me today. Man, if you're doing something for the Lord, if you're spreading the light, he'll be after you. Philippians says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst, and be a light in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. We need to be that light today. All right, number four. You say, this is a long message. Nope, here we go. We see its message. What is this message? We have the ministry, and we, we, we should have our motives right, and we know the enemy is the devil, and, but what is the message we're to preach? Well, the message is Jesus. Yeah, you ever, as a kid, I grew up in church. My parents got in church when I was two years old. I was a good, solid, independent Baptist church, and so I was taught, even from a very young age, that if there was a question asked, nearly every answer was Jesus. And, there, you know, Jesus is the message. Jesus is the message. He's to be the message. He's to be in every message that we preach. Verses 5 and 6 says, For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus, Christ Jesus the Lord, ourselves servants for Jesus' sake. Christ the Messiah, Jesus our Savior, our Lord. It means boss and master. We are His servants. 
Jesus is the message. We have so many today in churches preaching a man-centered message. And I get around our area because it's such a new area. There's, there are, are a lot of churches kind of coming on, most of them very, very contemporary. And, and um, even if you draw a circle, that same circle you draw around our church, if, you're to, if you want a hymn singing church, in that seven-mile circle, we're the only one. Methodist, Presbyterian, doesn't matter what you do, we're the only one as far as I know. It's amazing to me how the flyers I get in the mail. And then they give me, you know, many times they'll give the messages and what they're going to be. Rarely ever, ever does it speak about Jesus in, the, in those titles or what they're going to be preaching on. It's always something uh, man-centered. And I'm not saying we shouldn't preach on marriage. And I'm not saying we shouldn't preach on helping people and whatever. I'm just saying that's, we, we need to be careful that our main subject is Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, we, we need to be careful. I got, just as a side note, I'll call them commercials. We, I got a flyer in the mail one time from a, a, a mega church there in town, not more than seven or eight miles from us. And it said, God on tap. And it had a picture of a keg on the, on the flyer. God on tap. And he went through and gave his message titles that he was going to be preaching on. And so, boy, I'm telling you, uh, we need to preach Jesus Christ. Paul made that very clear and adamant. To know Jesus, there in verses 5, that we preach Jesus, that we, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. That term glory of God means who and what God is. So he is to give us light. He's to give us understanding of who and what God is. How? In the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It is through Jesus Christ that we get to know who God is. It is through Jesus that God has revealed to us. And Paul said, I count all things but sewer, I count all things but dung, that I might know him. We ought to know him. Again, the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is so important as we preach the message of Jesus. And again, not just about what Jesus can do for us. And that's important. But just as much we should preach about who he is. Not, not just preach how, what, what I get out of it. But preach about what he is, who he is. That he is, that he had a humble birth. That he is the God-man. That he's just much God as though he never been man. Just much man as though he never been God, the God-man. Great is the mystery of Godness. God was manifest in the flesh. We need to preach about who he is. Uh, I could spend a lot of time on this one. If we're to know God, we're to know God through Jesus Christ. David said, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. A.W. Tozer said, what you think about God determines everything about you. Every decision you'll ever make in this life, depending on what your view of God is, will determine and have application and impact on that decision. How we view God and what we think of him is so important. We see him in the face of Jesus. Four things, quickly. The cherubim faces. <laughs> when I saw this verse, I said, well, there, there's the face of Jesus. The four portraits of the gospel. Jesus Christ is king. 
the lion. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He reigneth forever and ever. Amen? The ox, the servant. The greatest servant of all. Thirdly, the man of the face of a man, perfect man. Never one time committing a sinful deed. Never one time having a sinful thought. But sinless in disposition, deed, and desire. And lastly, the face of the eagle, he was God. God manifest in the flesh. We see Jesus. We see God in the face of Jesus. So our message is the message of Jesus Christ. That he lived, he died, he rose again, that he was buried, he rose again, that we could have everlasting life. We need to preach the gospel, the good news of salvation. With all the bad news, we need to preach the good news. The message of Jesus Christ. Number five, we see the messenger. And I put down, we are it. And I kind of put a, I drew a, on my notes, I put a, a, a circle with a frowny face in it. We're it. We're the messengers. That's kind of, you hear my inflection of my voice? We're the messengers? Yes, we're the messengers. No, I mean, really, we, we are it. God, God has chosen us. We're, we're to be ministers. We're, we're to tell of the message of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. This New Testament ministry, the treasure is the New Testament ministry. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're to spread that gospel, the good news. The priceless, free, easy to find news. We think of the Bible as a treasure map. X marks the spot as Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in, in earthen vessels. Acts 9, 15, Paul talks about the chosen vessels. In 2 Timothy 2, 21 through 20, he speaks about those vessels that were meet or fit for the master's use. And may we, as Christians, be usable vessels for the Lord. And may we be clean vessels. May we be empty. May we be available. We are been bought with a price. But may we be reminded that these vessels were simply cheap clay pots. It goes totally against the humanist of today that says, be all you can be, you know, you be you. you know, no, I'm just a cheap clay pot. I'm fragile, weak, replaceable. I refer to it as the dollar store vessel. <laughs> right? You ever, you ever been uh, needed to purchase something uh, for someone, a, a gift or something, and you're in a hurry? And you, you live where we live, there's lots of dollar stores. So usually you run into a dollar store and try to find something. But everything in there is cheap. Everything in there is, you know... Cheap. And we're just cheap clay pots. And yet God has chosen to use us. He's chosen the weak things to confound the wise. Amen? He's, he's chosen you. He's chosen us to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be it's the gospel and to send the gospel message. Meet or fit for the master's use. That we be available to be used. I, I think about going to the cabinet at the house and and going to get a, a dish, a, a plate, or whatever. and I, I, It's there, it's available. I pull the dish out. When I look at it, it's dirty. It may be there, it may be available, but if I pull it out, it's dirty. We need to keep our vessels clean. We need to be available. We also need to be meat or fit for the master's use. 
Right? We're to be a conduit that God can work in and through. May we keep the, may we keep the plumbing clean. Fit or meat for the master's use. We all have various gifts. We all have various talents. It's not about our gifts or talents. God can use anybody because he'll use a cheap clay pot. He used some fishermen, and you know, uneducated fishermen. He can use you. The work of God is done by him. We are just the messengers. It's about it's his power. And I don't have the time to develop the illustration, but Gideon, the story of Gideon, wasn't about wasn't about manpower. It was about God's power. And God can use you in a great and mighty way. I'm telling you, God can use you. If he can use D.L. Moody, who couldn't hardly even pronounce Jerusalem, did it in one syllable, he can use anybody. God's good. We see again the ministry, we, it, the, the motive of the ministry, the, the enemy that's there, its message, the messenger which is us, and then we see its cost. It costs to serve the Lord. Verses 8 says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. I'm not going to read the whole thing for lack of time, but just it costs to serve the Lord. Listen, we, we live in a society where it's light and darkness, and it's, it's really become very clear and, and even more uh, of a stark contrast between the light and the darkness here in the last few years. And, and understand that there are, those two views are diabolically opposed to each other. You wonder why the, you know, the conservatives and the liberals are really at it today more than ever. It's, and, and it's absolutely true because the, the, light, the light dispels darkness. Darkness doesn't like the light. Cockroaches scatter when they see the light. This contrast, these opposing views collide. And because they collide, there will be suffering. There will be marks. But I'm thankful, he says here, we are not forsaken. I'm thankful today that he's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Our God is good, isn't he? And uh, when you get into a community or you get serving in your church or you get into the ministry, a youth pastor, children's pastor, whatever it is, and you're living for the Lord and, and you're doing right and you have your motives are right and your message is right and, and, you, and you're serving him and, and you're being a, a vessel that's meat for the master's use, there are going to be consequences. There, there are going to be costs for that. There are going to be some of you who, <laughs> go back to the, our, our second point, there will be some of you who get into the ministry who have to work a secular job as well. By the way, you ought to be willing to do that. Uh, first three years in ministry, I worked in a cabinet shop part-time. Me and my wife actually did, and that's a good story. I'll tell it later. Anyway, but, and I also helped deliver furniture for a furniture store in town. I, I don't think the first question you ask a pastor is, what am I going to make? <laughs> I know we've got to take care of our families, and I don't mean that. I'm just saying we need to be careful in that regards, God said he would take care of you. And he will. It's amazing to me over the years, and I, my men, our finance team and our deacons, uh, they know I track it. And I, I track not only attendances and things like that, but I also track issues in the church. 
And you can just see over the years the different times when I write something down, some issue that happened or someone uh, who made a little stir or whatever, and how it affects the ministry every time. The devil hates it. The devil hates the ministry. The devil hates you. He, he hates what you're trying to do. He's going he's to attack it on every side. But don't be distressed because you're not forsaken. The Lord is there with you. I'm thankful for the grace of God in those times of need. Not only it's cost, but it's faith. And I won't develop this one as much, but I'm thankful today that, uh, it, it, I, you know, faith has been given to us by the Lord. And faith in what he's doing. Look at verses, again, of verse 11. Well, look at, kind of, look at verse 13. We, we having the same spirit of faith, according as written, I believed and therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he hath raised up Jesus, shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. I'm telling you, uh, I look in faith to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He brings life to others. That, by the way, verse 12 says, So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Your work brings life in others. Faith in Christ. Faith in His return. Faith that will be raised as well. Looking for the blessed hope. Two things I pray in the mornings when I get up. That is, Lord, help me to live in the spirit, not the flesh. And the second one is, Lord, help me to live in light of your return. Not only in a negative sense, as I'm going to be judged, but also in that hope that he's returning today. And it could be today. I'm thankful for that blessed hope. Next, it's renewal. Verses 16. For which cause we faint not. Because of the ministry we've been given, we, we know the enemy's there. Because of our message, because of we are the messengers, because we understand it's going to cost and we need faith to fulfill this ministry, understand we should not faint. There's no quitting in the ministry. I'm not talking about full-time ministry. I'm talking about in the, in the minister, ministering of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no quitting. There's no quitting until he returns. The ministry of Jesus Christ. Souls are at stake. I'll tell you what, there is a cause. You cannot think of this verse without thinking about David and Goliath. Why, why did David fight Goliath? I, I understand he was an enemy of Israel and he was defying the armies of the living God and all those things. But think about this for a moment. He, he, fought, he fought Goliath because he wanted to show that God cares and defends his people. He fought Goliath because God is bigger. <laughs> uh, bigger than the boogeyman. Never mind. I cannot, I cannot ever get to that point talking about God is bigger without thinking about God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than the monsters, the monsters on TV. Back when the VeggieTales used to be a good uh, deal. When the, hello? First couple were really good and they went south. So here's... David fighting Goliath, again, showing that God, again, is, is bigger, that God cares for them and God defends his people and that God is stronger. God is stronger than man. God is stronger than a 10-foot Goliath. God is bigger than anything you'll ever face. God is bigger than anything, any difficulty you will ever face. Don't quit. And though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Listen, we're all getting older. 
I know you're, most of you in here are really young, but I, I'm getting older, okay? I'm losing my hair. It's going gray. I used to be able to run a 4, 640. Now it takes me seven minutes to get down there to it. Right? <laughs> the outward man perisheth. That's common to all mankind. But the inward man is renewed day by day. See, in life, the inward man can grow stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. We ought to be growing. To renew means to make new again. To exchange your power for His power. I just want to, again, remind you and illustrate it this way, that you cannot eat meals today and then live on those meals tomorrow and the next day and the next day. You have to go back and, and, and eat every day. You might go three or four days without a meal. I think you can go, you know, whatever, maybe even up to 40 days Jesus did without a meal. But you can only go so far. And then you need another meal. And what I'm saying is, it needs to be every day. You want to live healthy physically, you're going to eat every day. If you want to be healthy spiritually, you need to eat of the manna every day. You need to be renewed every day. The inward man is renewed day by day. You can only do it in your strength for so long. I've experienced it, and other preachers in here have experienced it. You can only go so far on the gas in your own tank. You can only go so far in your own power. You will fail in your own power. But he will never fail you as you minister in his power. See, we're just we're clay pots, remember. We're just earthen vessels that he may get the glory and not us. It's not about our talents, it's not about our gifts. It's about him. And he uses the weak things in order that he might get the glory. And we need that daily renewal every day. I hope today, I know probably every chapel speaker that comes in here, because I was in seminary, same thing happened. I mean, you need a daily Bible reading schedule, not just, not just studying for classes, but you need to daily walk with Jesus Christ. One of the greatest areas, uh, easiest areas to get backslidden in is Bible college students not reading and having a daily walk with Jesus. Develop one now. Renewal day by day. And then lastly, it's reward Verses 17 and 18, the ministry's reward, he says, I love this statement, for our light affliction, he says. What? Shipwrecked, beaten, he calls it light affliction, which is but for a moment working for us, for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, and he goes on to say, but he's, our light affliction. He said rewards in heaven will far outweigh this light affliction that we experience here on earth. All, the, all of life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small. One look at his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Listen, it'll be worth it all. The rewards of eternity will far outweigh the light of affliction here on earth. And you may think, man, I, I can't pay my college bill, and this has happened, and that has happened. Listen, Small, small potatoes. <laughs> small. The reward's going to far outweigh 
the, the, the trials and things and the adversity that we experience here on earth. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. We have been given a ministry, a New Testament ministry. The New Testament is far more glorious than the Old Testament. We've been given the gospel ministry, the good news of salvation. Souls are in the balance. And therefore, the enemy hates what we do. And he will attack on every side. And we need to be careful of our motives. I'm telling you, my own motives over the years, I have to watch myself. Again, so many times as a pastor, I'll see people visit the church and I'll visit them in their home and they'll say, man, they could really do this for us or they could do that for us. Or, and, and I have to watch myself. Not using them as pawns. Those are people. We need to be careful that, again, the adversary walking about who's seeking you may devour. And we need to keep our message right. The message is Jesus Christ. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see him in the, we see God in the face of Jesus. That we might be conformed to that image. And God uses us as messengers, just clay pots. What a privilege it is to serve the Lord. I don't want to be any other place. I know lots of preachers come through and say, well, I'm a preacher because I couldn't do anything else. Or I'm not that way. There's things I could be doing other than what I'm doing and, and still provide for my family. There's nothing else I want to do. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. There's going to be a cost. And I could cry on your shoulder probably and tell you the things we've gone through over the years. Been in the ministry now full time for 27 years. But it's worth it all. Just a light affliction. But be reminded better get your, your tank full every day. If you, you want to, you want to uh, succeed in the ministry, you want to uh, spread the gospel far and wide, if you want to have victory over sin, Satan, fill your tank up. Renew day by day. Heaven one day will far outweigh the few things we go through here on earth. May we be ministers of Jesus Christ. We have this ministry. Not your ministry, not a man-centered ministry, but the ministry of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today, God, for your love. God, what a gracious and mighty God you are. And I do pray that we keep our eyes on Jesus, your dear Son, that we make him the focus of our ministries. Lord, that we would uh, read our Bibles daily and get our cup full every day. Lord, we're looking forward to your return. Looking forward to the blessed hope. Looking forward to that reward in heaven. Lord, just uh, empower us and strengthen us as earthen vessels to do your work. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.